Hello and welcome to uh, episode three of the morning drive. For the eagle-eyed viewers out there that have seen the two other episodes that exist, this isn't the 86. That is over there, parked on the side of the road for the time being. Uh, it is obviously not a modern car. There are no leather seats. It's not got bucket seats. And I did touch upon it in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that, go and find out where it's mentioned. But this is a 1985 Renault 5 TL. 1.1 carburetted engine with 47 horsepower. Oh, yeah, wrong side of the road. So, I mentioned in episode two that I had uh, been keeping my eye out for something small and French, most likely a hatchback, um, to do some daily driving. My commute's across country, so uh, country lanes, just to kind of mix it up a little bit from driving the 86 all the time and uh, putting the miles on that unnecessarily. Um, and just to really have a, a bit of a contrast from uh, from what I'm used to in terms of smooth, comfortable GT car, not a proper GT car like an Aston or a Bentley or something like that, but uh, a GT car in its own right, um, to something a little bit more quirky, should I say. Um, so this is the, the Renault 5, uh, aptly named Delilah by its previous owner. So the name has stuck as my partner loves it. Um, I think we've abbreviated it down to Lila now, so every time I go for a drive, I get told I have to take care of Lila as I go. Um, so today, just wanted to uh, kind of touch upon the, the five a bit, go through all the funky features, um, and share one of my, uh, my car stories, and just kind of keep adding to uh, the, the range of little bits that uh, that I'm hoping to offer in the future. Obviously, the idea is car conversation, um, and part of that is gonna be in the future, sitting with, with people that have got some interesting cars and some interesting stories to tell, and just kind of spreading the, the conversation idea, and hopefully utilizing that, that conversation connection of cars to, uh, to raise some mental health awareness. Um, we're, we're in January 2021, it's uh, an interesting year so far. Uh, Brexit has happened. Uh, America's going crazy. Uh, things are very much doom and gloom at the minute. So if we can spread some positivity and uh, kind of get people to talk to one another a bit more when things are not going so easy, then I'm doing the job that I hope to set out to do. Um, so back to the five. It is a five door in silver, 1985. She's done 88,000 miles, which is almost what the 86 is getting up to um, and she's not perfect but she was cheap so I think this may have been the cheapest Renault 5 or even the cheapest pre-1990 car with an MOT that I could find um, and given the current kind of lockdown I couldn't really look too far but cars from like Scotland were popping up on the, the searches and there was nothing for under a thousand pounds with an MOT that wasn't gonna fall apart. Um, and there certainly wasn't anything near the 500 pounds, which I got this whole car for, that had an MOT on it, that had all of its panels even. 
Um, so to get one with an MOT that I've had it for a week and I've been able to drive it every day, um, it's a little bit of a, well, let's try and make the best out of what we can and a little bit of, well, let's hopefully have a nice cheap classic car and the money that I've saved versus it's uh, the other cars that were out there, I can put into making it as nice as it can be. Um, so the quirky things about the five, firstly, everything is an individual button. This has been my favorite thing since I got the car on Saturday. Um, for example, the windscreen washer button is on the dashboard here, it's a button. And the windscreen wipers are a, a switch, a, a lever over here. So when you want to use the wiper washers, you have to hold down the button and then you have to move the switch. But that button is also connected to the rear windscreen wiper. So if I press it now, there we go, I can move the wiper a little bit at a time. There's no rubber on the blade, so it's not doing anything at all. But the only way to get that to work is to use the washers. So I don't know why they did it like that. I don't know why they didn't have a separate button for the rear wiper or a twist on the, the knob, but that's how it is. So it's old car life. They utilized as few fuses as possible, wired everything up together. So quirk number one, wiper washers, separate button on the dashboard. Quirk number two, to twist the lights, that's pretty cool because it's a square, it's a square stalk and you turn the whole thing three times to get the lights on. But the, the high beams work, which that didn't happen on my old Mini. I had to have bumper lights and I had to press a switch to turn them on if I needed high beams because the mechanism just, it broke. And that was five years newer than this. Um, so when you flick the high beams on, there's an, a clunk of it physically switching from dipped to high beam. It feels like you've made a big change. It's really like satisfying because you pull that lever towards you and it goes dunk and then the high beams come on. Uh, but they're brilliant. I drove it at night the other day, worked fine, had visibility on all the country lanes, cracking. Uh, again, heated windscreen and fog lights, big plastic switches on the dashboard. I've got a very minimalist gauge. So I've got a speedo and a fuel gauge, which currently doesn't work. So I'm having to keep track of my miles every time I put fuel in. So I did 50 miles since I filled her up last. Should hopefully keep us going. Um, I've got a choke, which for all of those that are born after 1990, isn't something that we come across very often. Um, so basically, we've got a carburetor, not fuel injected. So to get it to start on a cold morning, you have to basically turn the choke on, which allows a little bit more fuel into the mixture and allows it to kind of get started. Basically, it's, it's almost like having a nice cup of coffee in the morning to wake you up, is what the choke does. The downside of a choke means you can also flood the engine pretty quickly if you keep it on too much and if you forget to turn it off you'll have a very lumpy drive because it's just going to be flooded with fuel and it's not in the right mix. Um, fortunately there is a light on the dashboard for that. Uh, other quirks, the indicators, there are two flashing arrows but they don't flash individually so no matter which way you've turned the indicator they both flash. It's more of a letting you know you've got your indicators on and check the stalks than it is to tell you which one is on. But they work, the dashboard all flashes, all the lights come on, everything seems to function as it should. Um, the fog light works, the rear lights work. The interior dashboard, the, this light 
that works, which I was amazed. Only works if the key's in the ignition, which is handy for telling you that you've left the door open. It's not too handy when you're just getting in and you need to start it up, especially when it's cold, where you can just turn it on. So that, optional extra, I believe, on the TL model. It was not a, a Renault 5 standard. You had to upgrade the, the model that you bought to get interior light and a couple of other features. I can't remember the specifics, but there were luxury options on the different models. So things like this light and, oh, the mirror, that was uh, an upgrade uh, for the TL. Normal mirror, doesn't have the little flick for when it's, when it's bright behind you to kind of give you a dimmed, uh, tinted mirror, which in modern cars is all electronic anyway. They just do that by itself. Uh, this one, not sure it works. The first time I tried it, the whole mirror came off the the stand that it's on so I haven't tried it since just to keep that mirror in place basically um, and then another luxury feature in comparison to my old mini I've got five gears now we take gearing quite for granted normally because modern cars all have five six some even seven or eight which normally on an automatic um, but back in the day the same four to the floor was you had four gears. Um, so my old Mini, which was again, newer than this, had a four speed gearbox, which meant that you couldn't really do more than 60 without it absolutely deafening you. And it didn't help, it had a straight through exhaust, but besides the point, 60 was about all you got before it really started to put a strain on the engine. Whereas this has got five gears, so it'll do 65 and toot along happily. In fact, I'm on my way to go and see a friend. Uh, his Instagram is Luden Classics. He's on Twitter, does classic cars, particularly Jag XJSs. So I'm bringing these with me because they're Jaguar themed um, to really have a look over the car and also to change the spark plugs because I bought a new set of spark plugs and two of them won't come out. So we're gonna use a bit of muscle with a proper bar rather than the tiny little socket that I've got. Um, so what that should hopefully fix is a very lumpy idle. You can almost hear each cylinder firing as it goes along the bank. Um, but that's the quirks of an old car, I suppose. We've got a small four cylinder, 1.1 liters, the carburetor and some very old spark plugs. So hopefully we can uh, change the spark plugs tweak the idle slightly so that it sits very slightly higher on the on the revs because that seems to kind of the lumpy idle goes away with the tiniest bit of throttle um, which is beautiful uh, there's some bits that need working there's a small dent on the door the windows these mechanisms don't work I've currently got a piece of wood wedging this one up uh, the other side they work fine everything's riveted in so I can't exactly swap them or take these ones out or do anything without getting a, a proper drill and like a, a rivet gun um, so for the time being while it's winter that block of wood will hold that window up stop any rain coming in got a sunroof another luxury first car I've ever had with a sunroof and that's, that's all I need to say really it's the first car I've ever had with a sunroof um, problem is it's very slightly leaky not to the point where there's water coming in now 
But if it rains, the water sits in the channel around the, around the glass and then seeps its way through. So you get in in the morning, there's a couple of drips on the seat and it drips on your face when you drive. So you have to really give it a, a good wipe and uh, try and get as much water out before you really get in just because you will you will have a slightly damp journey otherwise um, everything else seems to work okay the, the gears are working fine windscreen wipers are working fine now, as i say you've got a lumpy idle there's a bit of juddering when uh, when you're kind of just going along in like low revs and say third gear it just kind of it's a bit lumpy on that which I still have no idea what could be causing it. Hopefully we can figure that out today. Um, it's got two aftermarket speakers, which don't seem to work, but it's got a, a new stereo, so I can plug my phone in and I can have music. And the old speakers on the parcel shelf, they work fine. So I don't know who's wired in these new speakers, but they've done a terrible job of it. So that's another job for my list of things to sort out. Um, that's it really, like, it's a Renault 5. What more can you ask for? It does. 65 when you need it to it tootles along on country lanes just fine and it puts a smile on your face wherever you go when i when i picked this up we went from the guy that i bought it from to tesco to get some fuel and i think i smiled the whole way there i think i laughed at least 10 times on a 10 minute journey just because of how much fun and how quirky and just the, the fun that you can have in something simple and old. You don't see many of them about. I'm about to have a terrifying experience because I'm only going to be able to do 65 on the inside lane of the motorway and it is raining. Um, and when I first got my Mini back in the day, I don't know where this Fiesta is going. When I first got my Mini back in the day, it was horrible to drive on the motorway because you are about the size of a lorry wheel and you are going the same speed as the lorries. So you're not passing them, so you're sat in the spray and you're almost invisible because of how small you are. And then on top of that, you're in an old car which hasn't been made to current day safety regulations. So you are actively aware that if anything happens, you lose. Uh, you've got no chance against anyone really. But we're on the M11, we've made it onto the motorway and we're doing 65. And I'm hoping to stay at 65. We're passing down, passing a broken down brand new Audi S5. 35 years old, and we're doing just fine. So that's the, the Renault 5 in a nutshell. I'll try and do like a walk around video, or I'll add some photos in, and I'll try and make it a little bit more than just me talking about and pointing at all the things that you can see from this point of view. It does mean that if I upload this onto like Spotify for a podcast, you're only gonna have the audio, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully that'll prompt you to go and look at the YouTube video that accompanies it, or go on the Instagram, there's photos on there already. Um, I've basically been like live updating everything that's happening. Um, and that big rectangle in the back, that's one of the, uh, the vinyl slap stickers. Obviously the first thing I'm gonna do, put some Tacona branding on. Um, so that's it, that's Lila the Five, she's, bit old she's still soldiering on she needs some TLC which I'm gonna give her as much as I can and uh, hopefully I can get her into a nice position and for car events in the future and the, the few classic car things that I do she can attend and we can, uh, we can make a treat out of her
Um, so obviously the, the second part of what I wanted to talk about is another car story. You know, the whole idea of, of these videos and of the, the podcast style is to share some stories about connection and cars and just the interesting things that happen from time to time in the car world. Um, so the one that I want to share today is the story of the Aston Martin Vulcan uh, because it's always a good one that demonstrates uh, connection between cars and it's got that real kind of wow factor of it's a two and a half million pound Aston Martin that you will never see ever there's only 23 of them um, so the story starts with me buying the GT86 funnily enough uh, back in well it must be 2016 yeah 2016 I got the got the 86 in the July um, and the first thing I did was get back involved on piston heads. Um, before that, I wasn't really that actively involved. I had the Audi A6 estate and I didn't really do anything. And I'd really kind of fallen out of the car scene for one reason or another. Um, so I got the 86 and I was straight back on piston heads. And there was uh, a forum post about a fast car festival. And piston heads were asking members of the community to attend the festival as part of the Piston Heads group um, and to really demonstrate the, the variety of cars and the variety of people that buy those cars that are all part of the Piston Heads community, which for me and what I'm doing now, perfect. It's exactly in line with what I believe the car world is for a lot of people. Uh, so I duly signed myself up, uh, said I was bringing the 86 and it was about a month away, so August rolls around. I go down to, it was at Castle Donington, which from where I lived at the time was only half an hour's drive. Uh, and we, we're in like a paddock area, with all the different cars, uh, kind of demonstrating piston heads, really. And it was a little disappointing in that there had been maybe 40 or 50 people say they were coming, and only maybe 15 of us turned up which is a bit of a failing on behalf of a few people from the community, but you can't expect everything from everyone. So we just made ourselves as a, a little group, um, which if anything brought us kind of together as this small bunch of people, rather than potentially quite a big group where it's harder to necessarily mingle and um, connect with new people because you're more likely to know people and then you'll stay with your own little groups. Um, so the, there was maybe four or five of us that Kind of stuck together throughout the day and we went and had a takeaway in the evening um, and it was a two-day event so we were back the next day and it was one of those where it really helped us all to kind of come together and connect and i'm still friends with these to this day like we're four years later and we still chat and we'll every so often be in the same area as one another and we'll, we'll grab a drink or we'll go for a coffee or whatever we can do Obviously not in the last year because we couldn't do any of that. Um, but it's it's a good demonstration of, of that connection of the car world. So while we were at the Fast Car Festival, uh, the kind of showstopper car that was there was this Aston Martin Vulcan. Uh, it was number 23 in red with the black pinstriping. For anyone that, uh, that might know the car, it was the one that Jeremy Clarkson drove on the Grand Tour. That very car was the car that was at Fast Car Festival. Um, and with cars of that caliber and of that price tag, 
it's always 50-50 whether the, the owner is going to let you kind of have a look around properly or touch it or anything like that. You often see like Bugatti Veyrons with ropes around them and signs saying do not touch. Funnily enough, at that event there was a 208 GTI uh, with the two-tone, like half of it was matte and half of it was uh, metallic in red and that had signs on it saying do not touch. However, the owner of the Vulcan was the most friendly and inviting person. He was having people sit in it, he was having people touch everything, look over everything, he was happy to open up the front, open up the doors, have people get in and out. The nicest person that you could want to have that kind of car because it really gave access to something that was outside of pretty much everybody's realm of access. There's not very often that you're ever going to have chance to get up close and personal with a car like that without having a special invite or a couple of million quid in the bank to go and buy one yourself. Um, so again, this is the car world and its connections is really, this guy, he had no need to, to share, but he did. Um, he opened up the door and he let us all pour over it and really get involved. Um, and I'm quite a chatty person, so I immediately started asking as many questions as I could. Um, and what I uncovered was his son, who was at the event with us, um, has a S14A Silvia, so old Japanese car. And obviously I was there in the, uh, in the 86, which is a new Japanese car, but it gave us a connection. And as I say, car world, it connects people. So we got chatting cars and Japanese and JDM and drifting and all sorts of um, just car guy talk, really. Um, but we then kind of made friends and swapped numbers and started chatting and it was around my age so we've got a lot in common in that respect and uh, it really was two guys that like cars got chatting to each other that was it it wasn't this guy's got a two million quid car this guy's got a 20 grand toyota oh why would they ever talk it was two guys that love cars chatting away so the two-day event ended um, i went back home everyone went back home well, we still remained kind of friends and we still chatted and from time to time we'd talk ideas and different things just as, as guys would do. Um, so the next year I got a, a message saying, oh, we're going back to Fast Car Festival. Um, they've lifted the noise restriction for the track for the day so that we can take the car out. Do you want to come? Well, that's a, a question that you don't have to be asked twice. Do you want to come to Donington Racetrack with a, an Aston Martin Vulcan to have a go, not necessarily to drive, but to be around the track and maybe go out on the track in the passenger seat and just really, as though my mate with a, a, an MX-5 and said, oh, there's a track day coming up, do you fancy having a go? It was that kind of conversation only with an Aston Martin Vulcan. So I immediately jumped to the opportunity. Uh, we met up at, outside the track um, and they'd brought, they had, uh, V12 Vantage, the not the N24 that they did the V8, but the the track ready one. Um, the the model name escapes me. They had that and the Vulcan, um, the S14A, my 86. So we all kind of had uh, a couple of pit garages between the the cars, um, and we just kind of we were the centre of attention for the day, which is quite a nice feeling 
when you can give that kind of connection back to people um, and the owner had been more than happy for people to again have a look have a sit we could start it up this time because the noise restrictions had been lifted so it was really nice to be part of giving people that experience um, on the next level from where I was the year before where I was just a spectator to the event um, so we, we uh, managed to get the car out on track three times I believe first time the owner managed to spin put flat spots on all four tires there's a video on YouTube which I'll put a link for of the Aston Martin Vulcan spinning with a P1 either in front of it or behind it um, it's a very short clip but it's it's quite a good one to see and if you were there then it was a very exciting moment um, and then a couple of other people had passenger laps and then myself and, and the owner's son we we went out together on the on the track um, and we'd come down through the the S bend on the hill around that corner we were heading up the back straight and approaching the corner and I just hear shouting and what had happened is uh, the owner's son had gone for the brake and in that you have to brake very hard um, because it's basically a race car you have to get the downforce and the braking spots and really drive it at the limit or it just won't work um, you've gone hard on the brake his foot had slipped off the pedal while it was fully depressed and the pedal had pinged back up which then meant that his foot was kind of trapped behind the pedal which when your braking point isn't very big means that you're not braking in time basically so we uh, we skirted into the gravel fortunately he managed to get his foot out and hit the brakes again by this point we were obviously way too late so we, we skidded into the gravel stopped just before the wall and had a moment of pure panic followed by relief that we hadn't hit anything we were both okay the car had gone in the gravel it's a race car that it happens from time to time um, so the, the recovery truck came towed us onto the grass we drove across the grass back onto the track which is probably the first time that a Vulcan has ever been driven off-road which is fun it's not a nice experience because it basically has racing suspension and the grass isn't smooth but we did it uh, went back into the pits um, and just kind of had a moment to let things cool down and uh, to gather up before we could go back out again the track had been shut red flag everybody in um, so we were kind of waiting for the green flag to come back around and while we were sat there i noticed that my uh, my aircon vent wasn't working um, which in that is kind of essential because it gets very hot inside you've got that big v12 up front pumping out so much heat um, and the aircon is really essential if you're inside the car um, so i'd noticed that mine wasn't working and it normally means that there's a, a problem somewhere it's not a oh i've accidentally turned it off it's driver's side was working fine passenger side isn't working at all something's wrong and I got told to stop worrying and then the owner came and I explained it to him he was like I'm sure it's okay but we'll check um, so the owner's son got out lifted the front clamshell up and just shouted fire extinguisher which when you've never been in that kind of situation before is not what you want to hear so five point harness off a roll cage to climb through which is probably a little bit bigger than this window here uh, door open and I was up the pit wall probably quicker than 
I've ever moved before in my life. I didn't really want to be in a very expensive fireball, basically. Um, it turns out the air conditioning pump had had a problem um, to some degree, and it had basically covered everything in coolant. So there was a big plume of steam when we opened the front up, which we obviously thought was fire initially. Um, but that meant the car, it wasn't going back out, retired for the day. Uh, to get repaired. The uh, Aston Martin racing engineers, I believe they said it had either kind of thrown something out or kind of it almost exploded basically. So, car's back in the garage for the rest of the day, uh, no more chances to go out on track. So I had about a lap and a half <laughs> in an Aston Martin Vulcan. That's not really the end of this kind of story because a year later, uh, the owner's son started a drift parts company um, basically kind of amalgamating a lot of uh, known manufacturers into one place and distributing around from that one place and so the Vulcan got wrapped in, in company branding and they were going to be attending the gravity car show with it so while it was getting wrapped they were going to film some footage do some videos take some good photos to really kind of showcase what was to come at the gravity show um, so I got a call on a Thursday maybe a Wednesday saying oh what are you doing this weekend and obviously I responded with oh not much um, and then I had this whole scenario explained the car's getting wrapped going to do some videos do you want to come and have a go so I said yep yeah, tell me where uh, I'll meet you there so I got told a postcode basically it was be at this postcode uh, I'll come and meet you and uh, I'll, I'll take you to where we're going. It's a, a secure location. We don't really want people to know where we are. Um, it turned out to be Henry's Car Barn. If you've not seen them on Instagram, go and have a look. He does some awesome stuff with the cars that he's got. And he basically does uh, supercar storage. Um, so I arrived, the car was midway through getting wrapped with this gorgeous Phoenix livery. Um, and we had kind of a day of watching the car get wrapped and having a look around Henry's car barn and some of the stuff that they had there um, with no photos being allowed because again, secure private location, don't want everyone and the mum knowing what's going on. Um, and the next day was cars wrapped, let's shoot some photos, do some videos. Um, so we basically had a day of messing around with a Vulcan. We did burnouts, we did donuts. We were doing drive-alongs, and I had uh, an Audi A3 as a company car at the time. Um, so that immediately became the camera car. So at one point, we had uh, the, the camera guy ratchet strapped to the boot. We had the seats down, the boot open, ratchet strapped him down, and he was hanging out the back with the Vulcan chasing us, and he was filming just using his gimbal. Um, we did a couple of runs, and uh, the owner of the Vulcan came up to me and said, can you, can you try going faster please? We're, we're only doing 30 and there's not enough airflow to get through the engine because it's got no like radiators because it relies on the airflow and it's getting too hot. So we're in a country estate basically with a bit of a, about a mile long driveway, um, only wide enough for maybe one and a half cars. And I have a guy hanging out the boot doing 60, with a Vulcan effectively chasing us and then a herd of deer decide this will be the perfect time to run across the front 
unfortunately we saw them coming and could back off before they became a problem but in that scenario a herd of deer is the last thing that you need when you have someone that could potentially fall out the boot and get hit by a, a racing car um, nothing happened we, we got the footage we needed we uh, got back safe and sound nobody got hit by any cars nobody hit any deer and we got some amazing footage work out of it I'll, uh, I'll try and either add some videos onto this or share some links to where you can find them afterwards um, but that is my my two main stories of time with an Aston Martin Vulcan and how just chatting cars with people and being at events really does connect people bring them together um, and it was that weekend at Henry's Car Barn uh, messing around with the Vulcan where obviously at the end of the day you, you all have dinner together and you, you chill out and have a drink we got chatting and it was there where the idea of Tacona came about um, so the name of Tacona obviously doesn't really mean much it's not an English word um, it came from the the imaginary car company I designed when I was a kid scribbling cars in the back of maths books but what the reason that I use that name is because when I was talking to uh, to the owner of the Vulcan in the evening we were chatting about things and his uh, his number plate on his kind of his daily car it didn't really match him his name his son anything and he's like oh no it was the name of the first company I ever made um, and I asked oh why did you pick that name and he's like well it doesn't mean anything to anyone else so the name then becomes synonymous with what you're doing you don't have to fit a business to the word the word then fits to the business so that's where Tacona was chosen is because then Tacona can then mean what I work towards making it mean um, it turns out it is another word in Rapa Nui, which is the Easter Island language, um, and it's a tradition of body painting that loosely translates to leaving a mark. So Tacona means to leave a mark in a loose translation, which is perfect. It's a real kind of lucky connection. If it had meant something awful, I might have to rethink the idea. Um, but the whole, the whole idea of the word comes from, well, let's make it mean connection and talking and becoming synonymous with um, getting people to talk more so the whole idea of Tacona and the name and everything came about because I bought a GT86 and met a guy at a racetrack and became friends which is the car world in a nutshell and these connections are what really make it something special to be a part of um, so with that I'm gonna sign off it's 34 minutes in um, I'm almost where I'm supposed to be we survived the M11 I got into the outside lane, we hit 70. What more can I ask for? So uh, I'll see you at the next one.